0: The suffering zone, Kutcha holds it, shoots, scores, scores, North Vaya has won the division. Orier on the back end. he scores! Or oh, some sugar on that one! Special delivery for special day! And he scores! Amadio! Hey, how Amadio! This is the Battalion Blog Podcast with the voice of the battalion, Matthew Sucrum.
1: Hello and welcome to the Battalion Blog Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Sukrum. Pleased to be joined today by Battalion Color Commentator Bob Coles and Country 600 CKT News Director Richard Koff. And guys, thanks for joining me uh, in our studio today. No problem. Whatever you need. Glad yeah. to be here, Matt. I uh, wanted to, uh, as as the, the podcast suggests, it is uh, kind of a behind-the-scenes look at what goes into covering the battalion. And uh, so I figured, you know, let's give the fans a look at uh, what it's like to actually work in the news and sports department in an OHL market. So, uh, and, and just give the fans a, a, an idea of how we actually cover the team. And I want to start out, I guess, by asking Bob, because I wasn't here in those days. So how did Country 600 CKT cover the North Bay Centennials when, when they were here? And how does it kind of differ from what's going on uh, with the battalion this year? Well,
2: let's see. Can I remember from way <laughs> back in those yeah. days, which wasn't that long ago... It was uh, about 14 years ago they left. But I came here in uh, 1995, so I just missed the glory days of, uh, of Burt Templeton, uh, the longtime coach here, before he had moved on. And it was year one of Shane Parker. And I remember I got here on the Tuesday night, and Peter Hanley was doing a game in Belleville. It was, mm-hmm. And then the next day was going to be my first day of work here. Okay. So it was game six in Belleville in the... Uh, opening round series, and they lost. And that was my taste of OHL playoff hockey for about seven years. (laughs) A lot of losing. Before I started here. (laughs) And actually that team, uh, the longtime people tell me, that team had more talent than the team that went to the Memorial Cup. Interesting. Uh, But it was a new coach, and... Uh, it just didn't. Uh, it just didn't work. They had an older team, and uh, you know. But, but yeah. So it was. There were some tough years. It's it, there were some tough years, uh, for the really the whole run after that. I mean, they went mm-hmm. through. They went through a few coaches. They had Shane Parker. They had Greg Bignall. and and of course they had Mike Kelly. Right. And Mike Kelly was the coach that got them into the playoffs, but they were never a threat. I remember. Mm-hmm. One question: uh, They used to have a barbecue. Used to have a barbecue at the uh, uh, training camp, getting ready for the season. Okay. So, and then he does a little scrum with, you know, the the, the newspaper guy, the the, the CTV guy, uh, myself, um, another another radio guy, because C H uh, O R was operating out of their own uh, own place back then. And uh, so, first question we asked was: what, what expectations do you have for this team? And he said, "I have no expectations for this team." <laughs> so that that's was setting the of, bar pretty high, <laughs> eh? Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the way it was back then. They were, there were, there were, and comparing it to today, it's totally different. I for mean, sure, this, this team has has lofty expectations every year. They expect to make the playoffs. They expect to at least win around. And the owner's not happy if they don't. And mm-hmm. the coach and GM is, you know, is a is one of the more well-known coaches so it's uh, as far as covering it though um you just like you just covered the games Uh, okay you know you just covered the game so on ckat for example we had we just did the road games the the home games weren't broadcast the one exception was when they won the ohl title because it was such a big event and the game Mm -hmm. was sold out people couldn't get to the game they needed to hear the game so it was broadcast, but most of the time the team just did the uh, Peter Hanley did the road games, mm-hmm. and uh, the home games weren't broadcast uh, on radio live radio. So and then we covered the game like we do today. You know, we we broadcast the game, and you know, you you interview the coach throughout the week, and you'd interview players, and but it's totally different in terms of the stuff that's out there now. Sure, I mean you wouldn't come on and go on the radio and say. You know, I hear um, uh, they're going after this player. Right. I hear Alex Auld isn't happy in North Bay. Yeah. You know, and he wasn't. He was sure. That wasn't true. But, I mean. You, you wouldn't know, speculate but on it. there's speculation like yeah. all the time. And that's, that's what's changed in covering the team. And you have to sort of track down the speculation.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, you have to, okay, is this true, for example? Is it just some somebody tweeting out something that isn't true well that's rich wants to weigh in on. well that's what i wanted to
3: uh, kind of focus on the big difference i've seen is is social media and the internet all together sure um you know i i came here in 92 and you know moved here was a fan uh you know as a a high school kid going to the games with my friends and um Social media has really changed things. I mean, you can talk about the team, you can find out about the team instantaneously. You don't have to wait, you know, for a newscast or wait for the highlights on the mm-hmm. 11.30 news that night. You know, you can go online and and get the coverage when you want it. And that's one of the things, the big things I've noticed, you know, the, the difference is uh, in terms of coverage. Um, you know, it's you guys, you know, when you're filing your story after the game, you do it right at the rink. Yeah. You know, before and Bob can attest to this you'd go watch the game do the interviews come back to the station cut your tape on a reel to reel (laughs) or a cassette and uh and then you know write your stories up and then they're they'd be ready uh for the morning but now it's you guys are at the rink you've got all digital audio it's plug into your laptop and cut things up and send it by email or send it right into our system here and I pick it up in the morning and run with it.
1: So, from a from a fan standpoint, as you say, you watch it as a fan. Do you feel that that's better to have the instant access, um, or does it kind of muddy things up a little bit uh, because it, there might be too much out there? How, how do you feel from? No, a fan I don't standpoint? think so. I
3: mean, if, if you're fascinated with the team and you're you're really truly interested, you know, you can track down information anything you want and yeah. you can go to the direct sources the official sites you know your OHL your battalion site our radio station site you mm-hmm. can get you know rather than finding a rumor or speculation you go and you find the facts yeah right? and then learn about what you want and then make a comment and it's just creating a conversation that wasn't there before maybe it was around the water cooler or in the coffee shops but now it's a global yeah, it's everywhere. discussion right and you, you can talk about it and somebody I'm a fan on on Twitter of uh, VFB Stuttgart, the soccer team. And, you know, yesterday, just yesterday, somebody started following me on Twitter because of that. And they're over <laughs> in awesome. Stuttgart. So, you know, I mean, you know, people are probably tuning in from overseas with, you know, Max Kisslinger, who's from Germany. Maybe mm. they're watching him online or watching the coverage and things like that. So social media has really, you know, opened up the access to the team. Um, it doesn't have to be negative in terms of, you know, speculation or comment mm-hmm. or rumor. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's great because you can get it when you want it.
1: And from, from a guy that, that works in the in news and sports department, my, my view on it is I like having that because the news is out there. But it's also now, to me, I feel like I want to be that guy that does get it first. And that kind of makes it hard because, and Bob, you can attest to this, getting the information right is also so so crucial right it's key yeah in in the back of my mind i if i see something go okay i know rich is going to want me to have that on the air but is it is it right and you know i'll turn around Mm -hmm. to you bob and go what do you think about is this is there any substance to this like that's that's kind of where it gets a little difficult
2: i think i think people don't remember who had it first i (laughs) I really think the media people do and that's it yeah Yeah. we're the only ones if it's a big story Uh, It'll be out there on your station or your website for I don't know, two hours, an Mm -hmm. hour, whatever. And then by that time, everyone's got it. And if your story has got something wrong with it, like that's what people will notice. Yeah, then the other people are going to point that out. Mm -hmm. That was earlier reported. uh, That's not exactly what happened.
3: (laughs) You know what? (laughs) the, The first tweet you put out there. It'll be so far back after all the yeah, other tweets right. that who's going to remember who saw it first? Yeah, you know they're going to scroll back two hours. Not with the amount of tweets that come in. That's right. Like, yeah. I'll give you
2: a perfect example. There was a player in the OHL who was traded to five different teams this year, <laughs> uh, according <laughs> to tweets, <laughs> and uh, and you know, and then the then the the person who was on Twitter tweeting about this. Once it became who he was traded to, he was traded to Sarnia, and uh, not London, not Kitchener, not North Bay, um, mm-hmm. the person says, well, I was right, he was traded. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Well, they, eventually they, you uh, were info. right, but I mean, <laughs> you know, so you got to be, you know. There's so much information out there Mm -hmm. and there's people, you know, there's people in basements who just tweet stuff out Mm -hmm. and they don't follow teams. I think if you follow the team, you know, I think if you're tweeting stuff out about, and remember, these are 17, 16, 18 year old kids about, about where they're going. You know, it's tough for these kids. They're away from their family, they're away from their parents. If you're tweeting stuff out that, you know, is it a rumor? Is it being talked about? That's probably fair game. But when you keep doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, it's tough on these kids.
1: I want to go back to the, the coverage aspect of it just a little bit. Bob, um, you said that you only did the road games with CKT. What else was there in terms of coverage outside of the news department? Was Were there, you know, I, I do the Beyond the Board show on, on TV Kojiko. We do the Battalion Battle Plan segment on CKT. How much actual coverage of this team of the centennials did they have and how does that differ to what they do with the battalion
2: we did a lot of um like they did a lot of like community stuff a lot okay. of psa stuff so not that we'd go out and cover it but we'd mention it uh, it's funny you look at the 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 packages of paperwork that come out with every game in the OHL all the stat nowadays. hacks and like uh, John McClellan used to do this. And remember, th- remember when this was? This was before the internet. It mm-hmm. was before right. social media. There'd be one page of notes. <laughs> okay. Uh, here's what to watch for tonight. Uh, you know, this record could be broken, or this sure. goalie's looking for his third straight shutout, or or whatever. Or or here's what's coming up this week. Uh, he put out a sheet that said, uh, here's what's going on this week with the uh, Centennials. Uh, today, I mean, it's it's like. F- like you're, you're killing trees. I mean, you're, to be honest, I mean, there's a lot of paperwork and some, and it's really good because you can say, okay, if, if this player does this tonight, then we can talk about that. Sure. But, um, and if it happens, it's a great moment, but you know, it's, it was totally different.
3: I w- I want to ask you guys, uh, you know, the difference now, maybe especially Bob, but you're both behind the mic at the rink. What's changed now, Bob, compared to back in those days?
2: doing the game i i don't think not much has changed like when you, when you're actually doing a game i mean you've got to be more prepared i guess mm-hmm. because there's so much information i mean when you used to do a game you had a fair idea about who the players were but now it's, you you go to the you go to the the room before the game and the biggest concern you have as a broadcaster is do they have the lineups on there? Yeah.
3: <laughs> is that is that why it. you're always tweeting the picture of the lineups? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> for future reference, exactly. <laughs> like you want to know
2: who's playing, who's not playing, who's playing with who, who's on this line, who's on that line. Uh, you know, is Stan moving any pairings around? How Stan dealing with five D? Who's starting in goal? You know, all those things used to used to take note of that, and but that was through your own you know interest, right? But yeah, it's it's like uh and, there, and just the way the it's like you know, it's like the NHL. You you gotta cover these games like the NHL. Right. You've you can know each little nuance. And the other team too. You know, what scouts are in the building, who are they looking at? You know, maybe it's a player you haven't seen before, and then you are suddenly go, wow, this guy's good. Yeah. Now, do you notice the scouts when you get to the
3: rink? Do you just see, uh, oh, there's somebody in there, or, or does somebody point them out to you? Or how do you know that, you know, this guy here, I mean, after maybe 20 games, you see the same person there, but how do you know that that's a scout?
1: The jacket. Yeah. They do not hide the fact that they are working for a team. You might not know who exactly they are, but... They're covering in some pretty good swag, so you know who they're working for. But they're very open. I mean, sometimes they don't want you to go on the record and say this team is looking at this guy because you know other scouts are there and they don't want to know who they're looking at because it's very um, competitive. For competitive, sure, right. yeah. So, but they'll they'll talk to you. They'll say, "Yeah, we're here." I mean, the Calgary guys. I remember a game in Barry in the playoffs last year. Um there was a guy wearing a Calgary jacket and I said, I wonder if they're here looking at Brett mckenzie And i went over and asked me, he said, No, Riley Bruce is the one mm-hmm. that's catching our eye. And lo and behold, who does Riley get how Riley get drafted by is the the Calgary front flames. So they've always been pretty open, but also, you know, kind of keep it on the download. Don't let you know don't publicize sure. that we're looking at this guy. Well, even just
3: today you mentioned you know, i saw your tweet, you put out, you know, the fact that Brazo and uh and Kisslinger and Kissler, are now yeah. on the uh, the central rankings, the midterm rankings, and you pointed out that you know somebody brought them up to you a couple yeah. months ago, saying uh, they're kind of catching their eyes. Yeah, so. it was
1: Dan Marr who's the the who's the guy that actually compiles the list. Yeah, it just happened to be in Kitchener, and a guy pointed him out to me. So I went over and just had a conversation with him, and I didn't put it out then right. that they were that they were looking because you know I don't want it to be out there. And then all of a sudden they go, oh man, I got to play better now. I gotta. Right. it's in their head. And so it didn't become a huge thing. And now look at them, they've been improving and they're on mm-hmm. that list now.
2: I had a conversation with a Carolina scout, and he was really, I'm not going to name any names, but he was really vocal about certain players on the North Bay battalion. So I had this, so I was back at a future game and I was having this conversation again, not naming any names. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was another Carolina guy, and he was not too happy that he was being so vocal about. Uh, oh really? Oh really? Eh? He started. To, uh, when was this exactly? <laughs> what date was this? <laughs> oh, wow. I was trying to be a little, you know, a not little coy specific about who the guy was. But yeah. he, he was going to get in trouble for that. Oh, wow! You know, players have agents. I mean, players yeah. have agents. They yeah. know who, they know who's watching them. They know who, you know, once they're drafted, they know they're being watched right. at 30, 40 games a year.
1: Yeah, it's interesting when when you're talking about how it's uh, changed just behind the the microphone. I think it's it's also as Bob was saying, a lot of information that's that's available to you now. But it's also it's it's the way that the information comes in, and it's not just coverage on game days anymore, right? It's it's coverage throughout the week. I mean, on CKT, you know, Adam in his morning show, he does uh A follow up, a recap of the weekend, and then throughout the week, you know, Wednesdays, I do the Beyond the Board show with a player and another media guy, uh, and we just basically talk about the battalion for half an hour. And then we go and meet Stan Butler, and then he has his take. So right. during that day, it's basically for myself, two and a half hours of just battalion right. related content, and then it's about sifting through it all. And what is the best information to get out to the listener?
2: And the thing about the battal- battalion is very interesting because this team had very little media coverage. That's right. right. Uh, until they moved here. Like Stan would not do a weekly scrum. Now he does a weekly scrum. Stan would not necessarily be interviewed after every game, right. home game. He's interviewed after every home yeah. game. In fact, people, you know... <laughs> some of our listeners they they don't go to bed unless they hear Stan uh, <laughs> right. Well, they don't interview. sleep well unless they hear him you right know, they got to hear Stan <laughs> after the game i mean it's um so and this was a team that you know had no radio coverage at all they had right. no radio coverage they were on uh, the the cable tv but only on the cable tv because every game's got to be the televised OHL package yeah. on yeah. the OHL package so this team has gone from one One end right to the other, and Mm -hmm. now I mean, they're they get so much coverage now. I mean, in terms of the online coverage, the radio coverage, uh, you know, the the games on uh, Kojiko,
1: want to move on to uh, how the uh, but let's uh, take a look back at how the battalion did this past week. Bob, you're calling this a rivalry week with uh, the Sioux, Barry, and Several playing North Bay. Uh, let's talk about the Sioux game. It was a fun game. Uh unfortunately the Battalion lost 5-4 in that game, a close one. Um just just what do you think of that game and then I'll get Rich's take on the Suez being an actual rival to the Battalion and if you think they are. So first Bob, what'd you think of the game?
2: I thought it was a great game, you know. I mean, I know Stan was down after the game cuz his team lost, but you know, uh, it was it was like very entertaining. I thought mm-hmm. it was the most entertaining game of the year for sure.
0: comes loose to the line. Ramallah with a shot on that, right to Steve Hall, and he scores. Stevie Hockey with the goal, and the battalion take a 2-1 lead. And off the face-off, they send it into the middle It's Sanitian. Sinitian right on the doorstep, fires it past Jake Smith, fires on net scores! Pour some sugar on that one! And we are tied at four. They send it out to the right wing side, coming in the Zoka Dangles in front of Jake Smith and puts it behind him with one hand on his stick. It's a 5-4 lead for the Greyhounds. The North Bay Battalion have dropped their third straight game, second at home as they lose 5-4 to the Sioux Greyhounds. The
2: way the Sioux just, the way they draft their players and they all play the same way. Yeah. They're, all, they're all, they're a great skating team and, you know, North Bay had a bad break with a fourth goal and you know uh really it was a back and forth game I-, I thought it was a great game and
1: yes uh so rich uh you know where was the Sioux, were the greyhounds a big rival when the when you were a when the cents were here? I mean, when they came to town, was it, oh, I got to go see the grounds?
3: Not as much as Sudbury. I mean, obviously, Sudbury, uh, you know, it's an hour and a half away. It's mm-hmm. the, the geography dictates that they're an automatic rival. Sure. Um, you know, the north is, as everybody knows, is, you know, a, this wide open space, seven <laughs> hours to the Sioux. Right. Um So it's, it's a, you know, a little bit of different geography, right? And uh, I think the Sioux, being so close to the states, you know they've got the rivalry with you know maybe teams there and whatnot and even Sudbury I guess they're mm-hmm. closer to Sudbury than us. Yes, there's the northern rivalry and and there's a take on that, but it it never was. You know we got to go see the Greyhounds unless there was you know a future prospect on the right. team that you really wanted to see. A uh, Sudbury automatically. You know we got to go and and hate on these wolves. Right. Um, <laughs> because that's what we do. We're from North Bay. We hate the wolves. And. You know, you go to the game and you you know, you'd hoot and howl and get all into it and, and all mm-hmm. that. But uh, no, I I don't think the Greyhounds really were as much of a rivalry uh from a f you know, this fan's perspective. Right.
1: Anyway. What about the Barry Colts? How big of a rival were they for the Centennials and why do you think that's grown to become such uh uh, you know, intense Filled atmosphere every time they come to the building,
3: sure, well, I think you know Bert went to the the Colts right, and I think that was a big part of it for the centennials is that you know we lost our coach to this team, you know he went there and uh you know the the coach that brought us the the OHL championship and brought us to the memorial cup to you know at least play games there mm-hmm. um you know th- that's what we sort of focused on when Barry came to town. And uh, obviously, you know, with the battalion and Barry, uh, it's a hated rivalry. Yeah. So you really see that. And, it, you know, it's a keen rivalry that uh, is enjoyable to watch, for sure.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of reasons for that rivalry. I mean, you have, well, Burt coached in Sudbury, Barry, and North Bay. Yeah. <laughs> right, <laughs> That's right. Which is sort of bizarre. <laughs> but uh, I think it's because Lake Brampton and Barry had a rivalry. It yeah. was mm-hmm. the Marty Williamson-Stan Butler battles in the playoffs. And then uh, when they won, uh, they've eliminated Barry the last two years. And, mm-hmm. and the, the first year, that game six, <laughs> that was the first time they ever won a playoff series in Barry. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, yeah. And who do they open up with the next season? I'm not saying
1: <laughs> there's calls put in, but to bring the uh, Eastern Conference banner down. Right, right. Who were they playing? They were playing yeah. Barry that night. <laughs> who did they eliminate last year?
2: Barry. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a natural rivalry even though you get media battles from time to time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's that's okay. right. Matt can attest to that. Can wow. you so, Yeah. So <laughs> it's a, uh, it's a natural rivalry and that's, and that's the best thing about rivalries.
1: One thing I want to do on the podcast is also give our take on, on the building uh, itself. And this was a road game in Barry. And, you know, I, I, like the design of this building. Um, the fans are right on top, literally on top of the, the players there. um, it's not a terribly loud building. The, the fans are pretty sit-on-their-hand kind of fans there. But when once the game gets going and they get a bit of a lead, they can get loud. But I like the design. Um, you know, they've got the restaurant right in there overlooking the rink. And I believe when they built it in 1995, it was a state-of-the-art. And it really holds up 20 years later.
2: Well, the thing about that building is all these other new arenas, it's that model. And, mm-hmm. and people got to remember that. Yeah, they've improved it, but they know more. They know, you know, and they respond more to what, uh, like, if you go to Oshawa, mm-hmm. I mean, you can see the similarities with the yep. building in Barrie. It's, it's, they just put more amenities in. Sure. Than, but it was a new for its time. It's 20 years old. It's got a good look. And uh, I tell you, Matt. I did the last game in the old building. Well, I was going to ask, how does and, that compare? Uh, it's, it's a little better. <laughs> um, so I'm doing my uh, post-game show. Bob, they
3: can't see the eye roll on radio. <laughs> doing my on <laughs> I'm, yeah. Yeah.
2: I'm doing my post-game show, and uh, it was the last game in the Dunlop Street Arena, and at the Dunlop Street Arena, you had to climb up the steps to the second level to do your game, and it would all, always shook a little.
1: Oh, God. But in
2: the last game... Because it was the last game, all the OHL guys are taking stuff down
1: as souvenirs, as
2: <laughs> like souvenir lamps, and unplugging <laughs> cords, and, and I'm trying to do the post-game show, and the, you know I'm just worried I'm going to wrap this thing up in like two minutes. Uh, first of all, we lost. Yeah. So you got to get on the bus fast. Yeah. And uh, and the 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 thing's actually shaking. <laughs> During my post game show And the guys are walking by With lamps And all kinds of other things And uh, So I did So yeah Much better look Than the yeah. uh, Than the Dunlop Street Arena was it, it probably should have Closed earlier than it did Yeah
1: I think the press box And Barry might be One upgrade they might Look into Because I mean You're little, literally A row behind the fans And uh, sometimes that, you can found get, out, that, <laughs> that can get A little hectic So
0: Zach Poirier Plays it behind the net Turnover In the bank In front of the match scores LeBanc has this uncanny ability to make it the LeBanc show, and he just did that. Barry ties it up, 4 4, 7.24 left to go in the third period. And the regulation will end with these two teams tied at four. Two on one. Two on one. Harlan to McKenzie. The show is safe. By Ups Janikov on the 2-1-1. Puck is behind the net. Amadio picks it up, sends it in front to Wood. The shot oh. just wide right of the net. Sadaway with 35 seconds in the middle to Webster. Right in front. James Dangles! Can't beat Smith! Webster shot off the face of his block. Off the boards to McKenzie. He's got speed with Danin going down the other way. McKenzie to Denin! The shot oh. saved! By Ups Janikov, another sprawling Careful. attempt. Three on one, going the other way, Pawnee Across to LeBeg, the oh. shot, oh. save made by Jake Smith. Back out in front, Pawnee no, no scores! No, Pawnee no, no, no. scores! No, no goal, time no goal, over. time was done. Pawnee beats Jake Smith as the buzzer runs out, and they are I think not gonna no count the it as a goal. The referee we're waving it off. Right down the middle, backhand for it, backhand cuts in front and he dangles around Smith and puts it in on the blocker side. Smith gave him just a little bit of room, and he used it. With Pana moving in, he had a lot of speed. So it's Kyle Wood to try and keep this one going. To the left, in the middle, stops, dangles, fires it! It's saved! Davidoff's Janikov, the hero for the Barry Colts, as they beat the battalion 5-4 in the shootout.
1: And just before we go, the battalion uh, were able to bounce back with a win over the Sudbury Wolves at home. First time Sudbury came to town. So as Richard was saying, this this is a game uh, which is a natural rival. Did you feel a buzz in the community that, that, okay, the Wolves are in town for the first time this season, we we got to go see these guys?
3: Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, you want to beat Sudbury. Yeah. Especially when you look at, you know, the last time we went there, we lost. Yeah. Right? So you want to come back and you want to win. Um. So I can. I, you know, the fans gonna get up for that any day. Mm-hmm. Sunday afternoon, Thursday night, whenever it is, uh, they'll go out to that game and just natural we just got to beat Sudbury they and got I... Costco we don't <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> and uh, a good bounce back win for the battalion uh after two tough losses
0: turns it over here comes Colella in the middle his shot blocked Remo Jesse scores Maurizio Colella with the goal his first as a member of the battalion and it ties this game at one now in front to Amadio he scores hey oh Amadio the captain with the power play North Bay Battalion have a two-1 lead. He lost the puck. It's out to Amadio. Two-on-one going the other way. Amadio on the left wing takes the shot, scores. Hey ho, Amadio, the North Bay Battalion captain got the power play goal in the second. He gets the shorthanded goal in the third his point sends it across but Harlan picks it up and Harlan gets through the defense going in all alone the shot scores! Stevie Hockey with the goal Harlan makes it 4-1 but Shoemaker has it at the line sends it up to McKenzie McKenzie with a shot scores! The excellence of execution Brett McKenzie with the goal and the battalion will win at home over the Sudbury Wolves for the first time this season and They will end their four-game losing streak. They win it 5-3 over the Sudbury Wolves.
2: I think, uh, back to Rich's point about the rivalry, I think, uh, yeah, it'll always be a little rivalry, but I think um, because of the geographical part, but I think you're starting to see, I think the seeds are being sown by the Wolves now. I mean, they're much more competitive. They're an entertaining team to watch. That's what I noticed in Sunday's game. This is a different Sudbury team. They got a GM who knows what he's doing, they got a good young coach, they got some good young players, and plus the four North Bay guys who played in the game. That's right. Fantastic. Right. You get some Sudbury guys playing for the Wolves, you got the North Bay guys playing for the Battalion, you're going to have it and then you need a playoff series. I mean, for I sure. You need yeah. a playoff series and that really intensifies and they've met twice in the last few years and each team's won once and those are pretty good series. So, um, sorry, one more point. You want Go ahead. I was uh, just going to say uh, this week, big week for the battalion. They've got uh, games they should win. Yeah. You know, Guelph's a team in the lower part of the standings in the West. So is Hamilton in the East. And then they, I think they got to win those two games. And then big showdown on Sunday against Kingston. That for could sure. be a rough one. Kraus comes back. Remember, he tried to. Stir, mm-hmm. it stir it up with McIver last year at yeah. the end of the playoff series last year. So I—that's
3: the first game that uh, Riley Bruce eligible
1: for too. Right, that's right. Yeah,
2: I think it's gonna be—it's uh, mm-hmm. gonna be noisy in there on Sunday.
1: I think so. So uh, that was—that's uh, the Battalion Blog podcast for this week. Rich Bob, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Anytime. And hope you guys enjoyed the show. We'll have a new episode next week. i Matthew Sugram For now, signing off.